Section 107 of the Copyright Act of 1976 permits limited use of copyrighted material for news and educational purposes. This podcast is copyrighted by the Underground Christian Broadcast. Welcome to episode 47 of the Underground Christian Podcast, where the Bible and the 21st century collide head-on in a spectacular display of shock and awe. Last episode, we heard about some mechanisms of action for the bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine, a multi-component weapon system that works in many different ways, something we shouldn't lose sight of. Too many people get attached to one of its mechanisms of action and conclude, erroneously, that they have the weapon all figured out. It's designed to do several things simultaneously, and there are multiple reasons for that, one of which is that the people who unleashed the bioweapon knew that it had to fulfill its function because they wouldn't get a second chance. You don't unleash a weapon that's going to disable, maim, and kill untold millions of people unless you can control the remaining people, because the remaining people could rise up in insurrection if they get the idea that their problems are your fault. That's why the wielders of the weapon fabricated the theater that it's otherwise known as January 6th, including the months-long armed encampment they put around the Capitol. They were acting out their promised response to any perceived uprising by advertising the response on television so that everyone could viscerally understand what they would face in such an eventuality. And to this day, some victims of the theater still rot in a D.C. gulag without trial, without conviction, and seemingly without much hope. That is a visual that was also calculated to make a point. So to avoid problems with the citizens of the world, the bioweapon deployers had to make sure it would work as designed. The bioweapon is a winner-take-all military operation where the losers will either die or become the slaves of the winners. In any military operation, wise military leaders do not rely on just one weapon or one mechanism of action to secure a victory. Weapons might fail, so backup options are always needed, which is why this weapon is a multi-component, multi-function weapon system. There is some disagreement as to the exact operation of this bioweapon system, but after several years of research, there is also substantial agreement. Let's start with a simple explanation of one aspect of the weapon, which was articulated by attorney Todd Callender when he was interviewed by fellow attorney Reiner Fulmich. Todd Callender is suing the Department of Defense and other American government institutions over this weapon, and Reiner Fulmich is suing other entities over the weapon in international court proceedings. So they are both heavily involved in the nuances of this topic. One of the many effects of the bioweapon that they have identified is a massive increase in all-cause mortality in human populations across the globe that were inoculated with the bioweapon. This increased all-cause mortality rate lies in stark contrast to the all-cause mortality rate of populations that were not exposed to the bioweapon. In those cases, the all-cause mortality rate remains at normal levels. Todd Callender works for an insurance company that underwrites life insurance policies, and they've observed massive increases in the all-cause mortality of populations where a 10% deviation is a -a once-in-a-century event that's normally associated with wars, especially in the critical 18-45 to age group. All-cause mortality rates just don't fluctuate very much. So let's hear how Todd Callender explains the basics of the bioweapon in relation to the excess mortality rates that he has identified in both the United States and around the world. The question is introduced by Reiner Fulmich on an international video conference call, and the sound quality could have been better, but will endure. Todd starts out the interview discussing lipid nanoparticles. As Sasha Latipova and Karen Kingston explained in the previous episode, lipid nanoparticles are extremely small nanoscale devices that are the active ingredient in all the bioweapon injections. 
And um, I don't know what caused this excess mortality. It must have something oh. to do with the so-called vaccinations, of course. Yes. It may be the lipid part, uh, uh, nanoparticles. It may be the spike protein. I don't know. What oh, do you know? I, I, I do know. It's not even a question. Okay. Um, we, we have figured this out. So the lipid nanoparticles carry, think of them like little bombers. And they're carrying payloads. And those payloads are oligonucleotides, messenger RNA, and synthetic DNA. Those are the payloads of these little bombers. In order to slip those little bombers past the human's um, natural immunity, they had to disarm people's natural immunity. They used three different AIDS proteins. I'm sorry, HIV proteins. The GP120, the AD5 as an adjuvant, and the PP14. Those three proteins were, were injected into the humans for the purpose of allowing the lipid nanoparticle bombers to go into the cells, deliver those payloads, and then create synthetic DNA um, through recombinant um, mRNA and, and recombinant DNA. Those alphanumeric terms are acronyms for components of the human immunodeficiency virus, specifically the portions of the DNA molecule that give HIV its functionality inside the body. Todd is analogizing the mechanisms of action of the lipid nanoparticles to little bombers because, in a sense, they do a similar job to bombers. Like a target country that bombers would go up against, the human body does not like the lipid nanoparticles or their payloads. The human immune system would mount a vigorous defense against them if it were left alone, just as a country will mount a vigorous defense against intruding enemy bombers. So to help the nanoparticles get to their target cells, the injections were spiked with three proteins from HIV, each of which is designed to shut down part of the immune system. With the immune system destroyed or substantially disabled, the nanoparticles are able to go about their business unmolested, releasing their payloads into cells in the body and modifying the body's natural DNA to produce synthetic DNA, which we'll hear more about shortly. Or to put it another way, to get the lipid nanoparticles to permanently alter the cells of the body, the immune system had to first be compromised. So we, we know all of that. We also know what the pathogens are that were delivered, at least in some of the shots, because it's in their, it's in their pads. What um, is particularly alarming you know, in terms of all of these numbers, uh, excess mortality and morbidity, is that the, the people that put these three HIV proteins into the shots um, disarmed people's natural immunity. They gave them vaccine-induced AIDS, and they didn't give them anything to reverse it. So now what you're seeing in terms of all-cause morbidity and mortality, the numbers that I got came out of the U.S. Department of Defense's own database called DMED. It's the Defense uh, Medical Epidemiology Database. So, again, going back to my lawsuit against the DOD, I called several expert witnesses um, who testified in both our temporary restraining order and in our preliminary injunction, one of whom was uh, Dr. Teresa Long. You might have seen her um, and some notable other ones, including you know, Dr. McCola. So we have come to understand all this with a group of medical experts and scientists that have come to our aid uh, in understanding all of this. I mean, everything that I'm telling you, I can back up with, uh, with evidence, and I will be happy to do that. What is, is almost more concerning, let's get, let me get back to that. So when you see a 1,100% increase in all-cause morbidity and mortality, that means something systemic has caused this problem. So you would see a natural, uh, actually an abnormal increase in all-cause cancer, 
um, heart issues, inflammation issues, blood clotting. And, and I can actually send you what that looks like on a per malady basis. But when you see all of them arising to, to hundreds of percentiles in a class of people who are physically fit from 1845, these are all military people, there is only one cause for that. And that is the destruction of their immune system. So that is the vaccine-induced autoimmune deficiency syndrome. We know that this now. In fact, it's, it's in science all around, and the Israelis, uh, you know, they're ahead of everybody else. They, they already published papers on this. Everybody knows that. So the short, the short answer to this whole thing is that everybody that got the shots was given some form or level of AIDS, autoimmune deficiency syndrome. The ones that got the one shot, it seems that they have about 30% of their natural immunity uh, destroyed. By the time they get three shots, their all their natural immunity is completely gone. And we're seeing that with our doctors, experts that are testifying in their practices, including on base and off base um, doctors that are coming to see us. The real epidemic is now. The I happen to be in the morbidity business. I'm the CEO of a large insurance group, and we underwrite morbidity risk, principally disability, accidents, sickness, and health. Based on what it is we are seeing, the, the rates right now, excess mortality, 84%, excess every kind of disease at 1,100%. We are expecting a 5,000 or so percent increase in excess mortality for this year. As I said, a 10% deviation is a once-in-a-century catastrophic event from an insurance actuary perspective. A 5,000% deviation is a worldwide calamity that is unprecedented in human history. Worse, the rate of deviation is increasing each year, which is what we would expect if there were an acquired breakdown of natural immunity, a condition which is widely known as AIDS. So the shot has created some serious consequences for those who elected to take it, and the more doses a person takes, the worse and more frequent are the effects that are realized by that group of victims. AIDS is a time-delayed disease that will not fully manifest in younger, otherwise healthy people for several years after taking the shot. It's a progressive disorder that does not affect everyone the same way or at the same rate. It's important to note that patients don't die of AIDS. They die of all kinds of diverse diseases that result from a weakened immune system that is no longer able to fight off normally controllable pathogens, including formerly rare diseases like Guillain-Barre syndrome and heart attacks in young people. Todd and Reiner noticed these telltale signs in broad population morbidity trends, but other doctors had noticed it down to the level of patients in their practices. One such doctor is Jim Thorpe, an OBGYN specialist and academic researcher with decades of experience who noticed a massive increase in death and disability in his practice among the young mothers and their babies. You might think that a hospital where he worked would be interested in hearing about the problems he identified in his patient population, but that would be incorrect. They're not the least bit interested in hearing about any such problems. What they are interested in is making sure that Dr. Thorpe does not communicate those problems to the public at large. Let's hear Dr. Thorpe explain this apparent paradox in an interview on the SGT report. Dr. Jim Thorpe, a man with over 44 years experience in maternal fetal medicine with over 220 publications to his name and one of the good doctors at the wellness company. Dr. Jim Thorpe was just fired by SSM Health St. Mary's Hospital, after telling the truth about COVID-19, quote-unquote, vaccines, they're really bioweapons, friends, and their impact on pregnant women. 
Guess what? I have him here right now, Dr. Jim Thorpe, a truth teller and a man who is standing for humanity as opposed to those who stand against it. Welcome to the show. So this is no run-of-the-mill, nine-to-five medical doctor dutifully putting in hours so he can spend his leisure time floating around in a boat somewhere in the Caribbean. He is a very credentialed research investigator who has been paying close attention to a population of people that you and I only know in a very limited and tangential way. In fact, Dr. Thorpe was so disturbed by the post-COVID condition of his patients and the complete lack of interest by the hospital administration that he's labeled their cooperation with the federal health authorities the covenant of death. It's a very appropriate comparison. Isaiah 28 verses 15 and 18 to 19 refers to a future end-time prophecy during the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. It reads, You have said, We have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves. Therefore your covenant with death will be annulled, and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overflowing scourge passes through, then you will be trampled down by it. As often as it goes out, it will take you. For morning by morning it will pass over, and by day and by night it will be a terror just to understand the report. These people who rule the world in the end times will make a covenant with the satanic angels Death and Hades, which here is called Sheol, whose job it is to separate human souls from their bodies and imprison them in the place of holding until the judgment. Whoever these people are this prophecy refers to, they will create some kind of scourge that will pass through the population. Maybe it will be a social chaos scourge, or an army of destruction scourge, or a pathogenic scourge that creates a pandemic of terror. Something is going to afflict the population, but whatever it is that afflicts is not intended to afflict those who will create it because they think they're protected by their own lies and falsehoods. Maybe it will be a bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine, and it won't affect them because they have no intention of taking it, or they have an antidote to it. They might pretend to get inoculated, but it will just be an act, a kind of theater to fool the masses. Or maybe it will be something completely different, a terror from a completely different direction, like AI. But the interesting point from this little scripture is that there will be some kind of connection between the covenant of death and whatever passes through the population that will cause widespread death. But God will turn the tables on these people who keep the covenant of death, and he will unleash whatever plague they create onto themselves to cause them great fear and terror. They are going to lose control of this weapon in a way that will threaten their own health and lives. So Dr. Thorpe uses that biblical reference to describe the relationship of those who know the damage that the bioweapon is causing to those who unleashed it. It is those people who want to get rid of Dr. Thorpe. And let's hear about that. Even though I was the number one money producer for the department, they took a huge hit. And I'm told from several sources in the hospital, uh, uh, former colleagues who are loyal to me, many, many, many of them, that patient care is being compromised. My uh, The partners are unable to keep the schedule up. And, you know, patient care is compromised. What else can I say? Isn't that supposed to be their mission? But they're willing to ax me immediately because they do not want my voice and my platform. They do not want me on Tucker Carlson as I was earlier this year. They do not want me testifying in front of the Senate showing uh, what they are doing to their patients. They can't handle it. And if if the dynamic trio, I mean, 
you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I go on National Library of Medicine and I can't find any publications from these people, um, the dynamic trio, um, two of which are doctors. Um, you don't know, maybe it's on their CV, but I would invite your, uh, you to call them up and to ask them. I'm not going to mention their names because they're all my friends, but I would in invite uh, um, you and your audience to give them a call and to uh, get their CV and see how many, see how really academic this is supposed to be an academic institution, but the way they've treated me, they've never taken me in and said, hey, Dr. Thorpe, this stuff you're publishing is really concerning. How about if you give a grand rounds and how about you present the data? No, I gave them all these studies and many, many, many of them. And I was silenced and essentially told to shut up. One of the dynamic trio said to me, I'm just sick and tired of this stuff. I just want it to go away. And I said to that one of the dynamic trio, I said, this is not going to ever go away. There have been millions of people killed and injured. It's not going away. No, this little problem the government has created is not going to go away because it is a weapon that is designed to do several somethings all at the same time. And in the process of doing those several somethings, it generates a lot of casualties as deployed weapons tend to do. People who facilitate psychopathic activities should not hope the predictable consequences of their facilitations just cease to exist. That is living in the world of delusion. The best thing to do would be to acknowledge what has happened so that we can control the consequences of the action and address the cause. But that is not what these people did. What's, you know, because I, I want to give a lot of my colleagues some benefit of the doubt. Listen, Deputy Secretary uh, Mark Weber of the uh, Department of Health and Human Services um, rolled out this whole fait accompli, uh, you know, when he buried the the most deadliest drug ever rolled out by the internal documents of Pfizer, buries, tries to bury it for 75 years, and then he uh, rolls out $13 billion PSYOPs, fifth generation warfare campaign to suggest and uh, prove to the world that it's safe, effective, and necessary in the most vulnerable patient population, women. Um, so that's a lot of money. That, that has never, ever been done before in the history of the human race, as far as I know, to put out that deathly of a narrative and to try to suppress a deadly drug and then counteract it with $13 billion. So I think a lot of the population um, through this $13 billion and the 300 influencers that received it um, are, are brainwashed by that. Um, there's others that have a stakeholder um, some are just, you know, and I'll be blunt, this is how I respond on my Twitter to, to people. Uh, number one, you're either dumb as a fence post. Number two, you're a bought off paid troll. Number three, you have extensive brain damage and psychiatric illness from taking too many shots with cognitive deficits from uh, spike protein damage to your brain. Or number four, um, you are actually a genuine uh, gullible human being that fell, uh, uh, that fell for the uh, psychological operations and the $13 billion campaign. It's one of those four. We are in the midst of a great military, political, and social psyop, so I have some sympathy for those people who are in the last category. 
These are the naive, gullible victims who believe authority figures and can't conceive how they could possibly tell the big lie. That's why I played the excerpt from Mein Kampf last episode, which explained the kinds of people who are most easily victimized by the big lie. Those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it, for there is no new lie under the sun. Just recycled ones. The other three categories of people are, in one way or another, duplicitous agents of the lie. They work with the government to move the lie forward, in this case, to coerce or compel the entire population to get inoculated. The latest component of the grand lie is a brand new agency that has been created to make sure that when the promised future pandemic arrives, you and I will have nowhere to hide from the next batch of vaccines that will be aimed at our arms. According to Great Game India, which is one of the few legitimate news organizations outside the control of the billionaire globalist businessmen, the United States has created a permanent new pandemic agency called the Office of Pandemic Preparedness and Response Policy in anticipation of future pandemics and the decade of vaccines. In keeping with the military purpose of deploying the bioweapon, President Joe Biden has appointed an Air Force general to lead the agency. His name is Major General Paul Friedrichs, and he currently holds the position of Special Assistant to President Joe Biden. He also serves as the Senior Director for Global Health Security and Biodefense at the White House National Security Council. I mean, why wouldn't a new pandemic health agency be headed by a military flag officer? This agency is nothing but a puppet branch of the DoD, a thinly disguised cover office to better compel the distribution of the bioweapon and an office that should have no reason to exist. Think about that for a moment. True pandemics are extremely rare, occurring only every few hundred years, and supposedly we just had one. If we did, there should be no real risk of having another one in our lifetimes. Yet, we are assured that another pandemic is right around the corner, so close that we need a permanent government agency to keep us safe and secure. Planned pandemics, otherwise known as plandemics, are very consistent with the tyrannical medical practices of the United Nations and the United States that have been implemented for decades to control human populations. Way back in 1974, Henry Kissinger wrote the National Security Study Memorandum 200 titled Implications of Worldwide Population Growth for U.S. Security and Overseas Interests, a.k.a. the Kissinger Report. It was declassified on July 3, 1989, per Executive Order 12356. The report says, quote, if future numbers of people are to be kept within reasonable bounds, it is urgent that measures to reduce fertility be started and made effective in the 1970s and 1980s, end quote. And who determines what those reasonable bounds should be and what measures will be taken? Well, not you and not me. We won't be consulted. The globalist leaders will make those decisions for us. That decision was made by mandating the wide distribution of contraceptives in the 1970s, and by ensuring that fertility-lowering chemicals would be included in drugs and commercial products in the 1980s and beyond, especially in vaccines. Fifty years ago, the government had a great interest in controlling the world's population, which is another way of saying that it had a great interest in eliminating future members of that population, and that interest has not changed a bit. Dr. Robert Malone, who has worked extensively in the field of genetic modification, published an article on July 25, 2023, titled Population Control and Official U.S. Government Policy, here are the receipts. It is not a conspiracy theory. This is a long and comprehensive article if you're interested in reading it. The bottom line is that the U.S. government and the United Nations have had long-standing policies to reduce the worldwide population to some predetermined level. 
throw in the globalists who believe that 95% of the world's population is unneeded, who are the same people who control the world's economy through the banking system and control the governments of the world through the economy, and we have uncovered one potential purpose behind the bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine. Population reduction is not considered an adverse event to these people. It is a desired event, and it's been spectacularly successful at doing just that. It is now, unquestionably, and by a large margin, the deadliest vaccine ever to be deployed against the human population, no matter how you decide to calculate deadly. Yet, terminating people is not the primary purpose of the inoculation. It may not even be a major purpose. After all, population reduction can be accomplished in many different ways. As unpleasant as death and disability is to a significant number of the shot recipients, there is a more important and diabolical purpose behind these shots. The shots are doing two related things which will lead to a third thing, which is the thing they are actually designed to accomplish. The first main thing they are doing is generating a lot of data. As Yuval Noah Harari put it, the man who is the senior advisor to Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum said, those who control the data are going to split humanity into different species. Yes, species. Now data is replacing machinery as the most important asset. And if too much of the data becomes concentrated in too few hands, humanity will split not into classes, it will split into species, into different species. But what does Yuval mean by species? To understand that, we should acknowledge that Yuval speaks as a member of the world, not as a member in good standing with God. The world is the social, economic, political, and military system created to advance the purposes and agendas of Satan. We should probably add the term medical to this definition, as it's become a key component of how the world operates. The people of the world use terminology deceptively, enjoying the liberty of freely redefining words at will but they don't mess with very important words. They use certain words with great care because those words have legal implications. Not legal in the humanist sense of legality, but legal in the divine sense of legality. God demands that Satan disclose to his followers every step of his plan, and since most people in the world belong to the world, Satan must essentially confess his plans to the entire planet. But that does not mean he has to speak clearly or honestly. What it does mean is that he has to speak precisely. So when Yuval says data will split people into species, that is a precise and accurate statement. Now, according to Dictionary.com, the noun species has two definitions. The first definition is, one, a class of individuals having some common characteristics or qualities, a distinct sort or kind of person. That's a very broad definition, and it's not how most people would define the word species. The second definition says, 2. The major subdivision of a genus or subgenus composed of related individuals that resemble one another and are able to breed among themselves, but not with members of another species. And that is the definition most people would use. I'm going to assume that Yuval did not mean the first definition because it's so vague. I believe he is saying that those who control the data will do something that will separate human beings into two or more groups and make human beings in one group unable to breed with the human beings in the other group. They are going to do this by physically changing humanity into something that is no longer quite human. In this future dystopian world they are constructing, one species will separate itself from all the other species because it will control the data. 
that might be done by changing the data controllers into a new physically superior species, or it might be done by changing everyone else into a new physically inferior species. Or maybe both. And what will determine which species you become? That's where the bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine comes in. But the whole purpose is to continuously inject you with something that is unnatural uh, and merge you with technology so that you are no longer a human being in the way that God created you. And that is clear now. That is what the COVID-19 saga was about. It was never about a virus if one even exists. This was always about injecting humanity en masse with that technology. That is a succinct way to put it. The purpose of the bioweapon is to change you and most other people into a species that is less than what God made you to allow people who believe they are more than what God made them to assume total control over you and everyone else. They will do this by transforming you into one species and themselves into a different species. Everyone will be transformed, but not everyone will be transformed equally. Most human beings will be transformed into hybrid synthetic slaves, while a select few will be transformed into a different synthetic master race. Which group you fall into will be determined by the few who control the data. It is Mein Kampf on steroids, the ultimate fulfillment of Nazi eugenic policy. However, these people don't want to transform you against your will. They want you to willingly participate in your own transhuman transformation. And that's because a person who is made in the image of God cannot have the image unmade against his or her will because God's own sovereign authority prevents it. Satan needs your approval to legally transform you out of God's image and into his own demonic image, and he can only obtain that authority through your voluntary consent to the process. The first step in obtaining that consent was the inoculation masquerading as a vaccine that was ostensibly distributed worldwide to protect us from an unseen deceptive health threat. As it says in Revelation 6.1, I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. The white horse in this prophecy symbolizes power, specifically military power. The figure on the horse symbolizes a savior figure who is riding on the back of a military power. Or to put it another way, a savior figure who is backed and empowered by the military. This figure is an apparent good guy from the government who comes to help save us in a time of trouble. But while pretending to help us, he is actually doing the opposite because he also wields a bow, which is a weapon that's used at a distance to shoot something into another person's body and a crown of victory was given to him. Not a crown of political conquest, but a crown of victory. Matthew 24 provides some insight into this event. Verse 3 to 5 states, Now, as he, Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. That word Christ means Messiah, anointed, Savior. It is the same symbol as the Savior figure on the horse because Jesus is referring to the same event. But Jesus adds the additional insight here that there will be many people who say they hold the key to peace and safety in this future time of trouble. These are the people who tell us things like they have the answer to a microbe that threatens our lives, supposedly, and it's found in a shot that penetrates into our bodies and all we have to do to be safe is take it. 
and then take another, and another, and another. There were lots of savior figures pushing the shot. They were government officials, doctors, experts, media personalities, influencers, judges, business leaders, even a fair share of pastors. And all those little needles were shot at a distance by those who created this little psychological operation, a deceptive operation, just as Jesus had warned. Remember the words of the covenant. We have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves. Who was responsible for the liquid that was placed into these vials? Who designed them and made them? If you try to find out, you will have to wade through a mountain of globalist media lies and falsehoods that obfuscate the political, economic, and military leaders behind these shots. But God does not sit idly by while the covenant of death operates. God answered it in Isaiah 28 verse 13 when he said, But the word of the Lord was to them, Precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. God does not write a book the way that a man writes a book. He breaks up the information we need into little bite-sized pieces, precept upon precept, scattering it around the book so that we have to diligently look for it, here a little, there a little, until we can order it and organize it into a meaningful, coherent whole, line upon line, line upon line. It takes work, and it takes patience, and most importantly, it takes insight provided by the Holy Spirit. That's far too difficult for the enemies of God, for the Word of God tries their patience. Even if they put in the work to sort it all out, it's unlikely they would properly understand what God wrote because, as it says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. God told those who were willing to see and hear his words what was going to happen so that we could properly prepare and not be deceived. Yet how few people heeded his words in this time of leaders preaching peace and safety. But there is still hope. God does not lie or come up short in his promises, so we can rest assured that the satanic ambitions of the globalists will be frustrated, just not before they're able to produce chaos and misery among those who have eyes but will not see and ears but will not hear. All I can do is shout from a rooftop what needs to be seen and heard, and this podcast is my shout. We are in a biodigital state of warfare, so we ought to know what has been deployed against us, and it isn't as if they're hiding it. The following sound clip is from Policy Horizons Canada, a Canadian government publisher of information that they want to share with you. Digital technologies and biological systems are beginning to combine and merge in ways that could be profoundly disruptive to our assumptions about society, the economy, and our bodies. We call this the biodigital convergence. Over the past 40 years, the economy has transformed through digital evolutions in information technology like the internet, smartphone, applications, and big data analytics. The biodigital convergence could change the way we design and manufacture goods, revolutionize healthcare and agriculture, modify our environment, and even alter how humans evolve as a species. Isn't that what Yuval was saying? 
we will be fragmented into different species. They are actually proud of this and believe it's beneficial, a helpful thing. Or at least they want you to think that. But those who work for God, like Karen Kingston, would disagree, and she pulls no punches letting us know what they are really trying to do. This is a patent that, uh, that I pulled regarding uh, an, an intelligent um, uh, nanoparticle system. And what's, what's important, I think, in nanopoint stuff, too, is that these nanoparticles, not only are they self-assembling, they're self-replicating, right? And it says right in the patent that they are created for spawning, you know, which is basically the satanic term for, for reproducing. Yes. Comprising, yeah, it's a satanic term for reproduction. Uh, comprising, modifying, repairing, regenerating, reassembling, control, regulation of one or more cells. Um, and so they actually do hijack human cells uh, kill it through an apoptosis process, uh, hijack the genetic material from the nucleus and recreate a hybrid cell that is this biosynthetic cell uh, that is not no longer human. So one of the things that the lipid nanoparticles do, that the magnetic hydrogel does, that the mRNA vaccine does, since all of this is the same material, is that it maps the structure of the human cells, kills them, and replaces them with an artificial hybrid cell that incorporates some elements of the carbon-based cell they killed with elements of inorganic machines, all on the microscopic level. According to the patents, these are fully programmable machines that can be modified and transformed from outside the body. The structures they develop can be directed and modified from outside the body. This is important, too, because this is what Anna was talking about with the neurological dysfunctions, um, the induced suicides, um, and also all the, you know, uh, paralysis. Um, it, it says here that um, they can enter the central nervous system, including passing the blood-brain barrier for very eff efficacious effect. Um, I think what's important here is that in some embodiments, the invention enables post-administration delivery of one or more types of agents into the central nervous system in 30 minutes or less. Um, and it can happen also in 30 minutes or more. So that's how quickly it can go into the blood-brain barrier. And then we know that Elon Musk just last week got approval from the FDA to begin human trials Neuralink. with Neuralink. Yes. Uh, trust me, he's already experimented on, on humans with Neuralink. Uh, probably not in the U.S., but outside the U.S. He also has neural lace. That is an injection where the hydrogels, the lipid nanoparticles go straight to the brain and begin assembly in the brain and mimicking neurological. Oh. So this has been going, so this is from the 2016 Cures Act. Uh, we know the Cures Act is what enabled these crimes against humanity in America in regards to overriding a lot of the FDA laws. There's also $1.5 billion for the Brain Initiative, which was started by Barack Obama in 2008 with James Giordano leading it. What is the Brain Initiative? Uh, they say electric prescription, uh, which aims to heal the human body through neuromodulation of organ functions using ultra-miniaturized devices, nanotechnology electromagnetic devices, lipid nanoparticles, mRNA vaccines. We can go on and on with the evidence of what the government, in collusion with big tech, pharma, and the DOD, have done to us. But the point is that they have the technology to modify the human body from the inside, and they have deployed it. The inoculation is not about health. It is a developing weapon system, as Karen Kingston will illustrate beautifully.
So the, the one right before here, again, we're talking about an injection, um, minimally invasive injection with electro ultra miniaturized electromagnetic devices. And then it says right here, I think this is shocking. This is from 2016 from our DARPA, uh, US Department of Defense. Uh, it, it says the neural engineering, engineering system design is an implantable neural interface able to provide unprecedented signal resolution and data transfer bandwidth between the brain and the digital world. This is not neuraling. This is not putting a chip in your brain. This is ultra miniaturized devices, nano electromagnetic devices, the size of fibers through a minimally invasive injection. That's not a chip. So they've had that since 2016. And then I think what's important, oh, did you wanna say something, Anna? You look like you're, I think, no, that's that's absolutely right. And and it, you have to look at it from the military perspective because they have really developed nanotechnology since the 1970s. And they're so way ahead of the hydrogel has been described in the early 2000s. And they know how to use it and how to, uh, you know, manipulate it. So to a lot of people, these are new concepts, but these people have decades ahead of us while we're arguing whether or not there is hydrogel or not. There is. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and, and this is an important point too. This is from the peer review publication about hydrogel is that it's self-propagating living material. And that means that it's um, intelligent. That's what they mean by this. What does self-propagating mean for the viewers? Replicating, self-replicating, and self-sufficient. So, so that's what a, a lot of people are criticizing, and they're saying, "Oh, you cannot see nanotechnology with a microscope." Well, you can see nanotechnology that has self-assembled and has grown to yeah. now visible yeah. sizes, and that yeah. is absolutely real. And again, it's the use of self-assembly and synthetic biology. This is what this is. It's all synthetic biology. So self-propagating just means like, you know, just like the human body can renew cells, this can renew itself as well. Right. And grow. Um, so again, this is the this is the Pfizer's what they call mRNA spike proteins. This is the modified RNA. This is a pegylated lipid nanoparticle. This is a hydrogel like hydrogel is part of the components here. Um, so uh, this is their internal document from Groton, Connecticut, um, which was part of the data dump. Uh, and I actually did discover it. I was searching for some other documents actually for an interview with Stu and I came across this and I can't believe that they released it. And it's the, um, what they call the SBDD document from research and development, the structural and biophysical characterization of spike glycoprotein P2S. So it's their research and development document, how they developed and designed it. Uh, and it says right here that the um, spike protein uh, for BNT162B includes two amino acids, um, locking the protein, which is the virus, which is the toxin, which is the hydrogel, uh, into an optimal prefusion uh, conformation. Uh, so that's that triangular uh, conformation shape. Conformation means shape. Uh, and then what's interesting is people go, well, where, where did the variants come from? How do they make it? Well, it says right here that they actually order the different components of the spike protein, which are different protein sequences, which they call mRNA, that's the software programs, um, that are created in China in their own, what's called, a, it's encapsulated in a nucleocapsid, a synthetic one. So they order the spike receptor binding domain, they order spike S1 and spike S2. So these ones come from Sinobiological. This, this one is in, um, Colorado Novus. 
set of biologicals in China. Here, where, the, where did the variants come from? They come from China, they can order them. So you can see them all here, that you can order the different variants. And then they make them in labs using human embryonic kidney cells and, and assemble the different viruses. And we're gonna go through this, it's really fascinating. So you can see here- they But again, the viruses aren't viruses. They're not real viruses. They're not viruses, they're, hmm. they're sequences. They're the, the codon sequences for toxins. These are chimeric toxins that, that contain non-human DNA. That's why they're poisonous to us. They're not a virus. It, it, it's I, I, I will. bats and reptiles and insects and stuff that's not supposed to be in your body. That's why your body gets severely ill. This material needs to be on the inside of our bodies so they can modify our bodies from the inside to transform them. That's why the governments of the world were so desperate to get everyone vaccinated and why multiple useless injections were required after the first useless injection, useless at least with regard to fighting the supposed COVID, but how are these nanoscale devices controlled from an external source? And this is where the 5G system comes in. All during COVID, and especially during the lockdowns, the U.S. government and major corporations were frantically erecting 5G cell towers everywhere. Remember when cell towers were considered an eyesore and people went crazy over the thought of a tower rising above the trees? Well, all that changed with 5G. All the tower resistance vanished overnight after FCC Chairman Tom Wheeler announced that the United States was going to plow forward with 5G without waiting for the safety data because... If something can be connected, it will be connected in the 5G world. The interconnected world of the future will be the result of decisions we must make today. And that's damn important. And it is important but not for the reasons that Tom Wheeler laid out at that hour-long press conference. It is important because it's a critical part of the bioweapon system. One of the functions of the little nanomachines that permeate every cell of our bodies is to monitor the activity of those cells, and especially the neurological cells, our brains. To monitor something as complex as a brain takes not just a vast number of extremely small sensors, but a vast amount of something else, data. The data must be collected, transmitted, organized, and analyzed for it to be of any use. And then commands have to be issued back to the little sensors so they can do something based on the data analysis. Once the nanoscale building blocks construct the synthetic biological monitoring systems in the body, these systems need to communicate with a machine that is capable of processing all the data they generate. And that communication process begins with 5G. The 5G system masquerades as an internet upgrade, just like the bioweapon masquerades as a vaccine. Like the bioweapon, the 5G system serves several functions. It can transmit data to facilitate internet activity, but it can also transmit microwave radiation at frequencies and energies that have been weaponized by the United States military and other military organizations around the world. The most well-known of these technologies is a device that creates a condition known as the Havana Syndrome. The Havana syndrome produces debilitating neurological effects in people ranging from severe vertigo to physical illness, hallucinations, and debilitations. Other weapons made in this frequency range include area denial devices that produce a sensation that is so uncomfortable and unpleasant that people instinctively run to get away from it, as well as devices that can disorient and make people violently ill. No doubt there are many other weapons in the 5G range, but these are the ones that have been publicly released and demonstrated. 
There is no difference between a 5G device for communications and a 5G device for military applications, except the amount of power that is needed. All 5G devices utilize a phased array antenna, which enables the 5G signal to be focused in a desired direction. Different generated frequencies produce different effects, so the only difference between the 5G towers and the mobile military weapons are the lack of mobility for the towers, but their vastly greater amounts of power. Since they are now everywhere and they are enormously powerful, these towers are capable of being utilized as weapons by those who control them whenever and wherever the powers of control want. But today's weapons are not all about destruction. Today's weapons are more interested in control and manipulation, and that's where 5G, 6G, and 7G really shine. Hope and Tavon Rivers are two American scientists who have extensively studied these systems. They were recently interviewed by Maria Z and are frequent guests on the SGT report. While not experts in this technology, they've done the hard work of pulling together the technical information on how these technologies operate from professional papers, presentations, and patents, and they have put it together in a way that explains nicely how they operate to those of us who are not engineers. The interview is much too comprehensive and long to replay in its entirety on this podcast, but you can hear it on Z Media, Z with three E's. On this podcast, we will be introduced to what these technologies are and how they operate as part of the integrated biotechnological warfare plan that's consuming the world. You're going to hear a lot about the Internet of Things, the Internet of Bodies, the Internet of This, and the Internet of That, because, as you've all said, the future is all about the data, and the data cannot be accessed, transmitted, and analyzed without the Internet of Everything. So hold on, because this goes quickly. So the Internet of Things and Bodies is run on 6G and 7G terahertz frequencies. And what you see on the left, Maria, is, the, is a, a picture of a, a slice of the electromagnetic spectrum, where on the left you have lower frequencies from the megahertz into the gigahertz, which is your microwave oven and your cell phone and 4G technologies in those bands. And then you move up to the right and you go up to the higher frequencies into the terahertz regions. And between the gigahertz and terahertz realm is where you're going to have these 6G and 7G uh, uh, technologies. So the lower frequencies between 700 megahertz to 2.6 gigahertz is what they're calling the 2, 3, 3G, uh, 4G. The equipment that operates on these frequencies are things like your radio, your cell phones, your Wi-Fi and GPS satellites. Now, the range above uh, the 5 gigahertz area is just under and just under 100 gigahertz is what they're calling 5G. Now, 5G is purely a weapon system using dangerous ranges of frequencies to bathe the public in microwave radiation. And currently, there is no equipment that we're aware of that solely uses just 5G. So the range above this is a huge range of frequencies that are open uh, to 6G and 7G. It's 95 gigahertz to 3 terahertz. Now, this is the range that they're calling 6G, the lower parts of it, and 7G for the higher parts. This specific range of frequencies is what they call the terahertz band. Now, up, up until just prior to COVID, research for devices that operates in this range of frequencies was blocked by government agencies. It was considered, quote, no man's land, meaning anyone with the skills that proposed to work with these frequencies was shot down by government officials. This is basically based on uh, what uh, Akildi says when he was trying to get his technology patented during a certain window of time. Uh, then just about a year or two prior to COVID, the floodgates uh, were open to researchers. Patents working in terahertz that had been on hold by the CIA 
were suddenly issued and literally 100,000 plus IEEE papers were written discussing the research of using terahertz band frequencies. It isn't that no one was researching the capabilities of this range of frequencies prior to 2017. It's just that the government wanted to keep a lid on it until they were ready to let it out. In this massive and lengthy psyop, the government and its media allies carefully controlled the narrative to create the story that they wanted us to believe, just as Yuval Noah Harari told us in a previous episode. It's all about the story. Now, Tavon mentioned a name as the source of some of this information, so let's back up and get an introduction for two of his sources of information that contributed to this presentation. Just so you know they aren't pulling this stuff out of thin air, let's hear about who these people are. These are the guys that are working on this technology. And um, the first one on the left is Professor Ian Achildes. Yes, his last name is, is uh, pronounced Achildes <laughs> from the Georgia Institute of Technology. He has been developing terahertz communication systems for the Internet of Everything for at least the last 15 years. He's worked with the U.S. Army and DARPA and is currently running webinars for the United Nations. He set up technology research centers in Spain, South Africa, Finland, Saudi Arabia, Germany, Russia, India, and Cyprus. This is just the beginning of his insanely impressive resume. His current area of expertise and research includes 6G and 7G wireless communication systems, hologram communication, terahertz communication, internet of bio nano things, and intelligent surfaces and molecular communications. We're going to describe what those things are in a few more slides. Okay. And then you have a professor uh, who's also his colleague uh, to Ian Achilles as uh, Joseph uh, Miguel Jornet, and he is a professor in the Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering and a director of the Ultra Broadband Nano Networking Laboratory and is a member of the Institute for the Wireless Internet of Things and the Smart Center at Northeastern University. Uh, he's a leading expert in terahertz communication in addition to wireless and nano biocommunication networks and the Internet of Nano Things. He is serving as the lead uh, principal investigator on multiple grants from the U.S. federal agencies, including the National Science Foundation, the Air Force Office of Scientific Research, and the Air Force Research Laboratory, as well as industry. So uh, Joseph Jornet was a student of Ian Achilles, and they worked together for many years writing IEEE papers and creating patents for terahertz communications, wireless nano bio communication networks, and the Internet of Nano Things. Recently, they gave a joint presentation for the UN in a webinar that explained the technology that is being used today to connect people's bodies to the Internet of Things. Right. While we've been fascinated with the latest app on the iPhone, serious people have been working very hard to understand and create a technological suite that is not intended to make our lives better, but to transform our lives via some dystopian biodigital convergence into something alien to both God and his creation. These are the people who control the money supply, the investment banks, and the banking system. They control the military and its research arms, the weapons companies, and the aerospace industry. They control the government, including the departments and agencies that are ostensibly there to protect us. They control the mainstream media and are even making headway into taking the alternative media by stealth. They control most major corporations, including technology companies, internet companies, communications companies, and now even healthcare companies and pharmacies. And all of this control is focused on integrating everything into the Internet of Things. What we know about their activities is never enough because they keep most of what they're doing in secret. 
we're only allowed to see a small part of what they're up to, and only when it cannot be used effectively to stop them. This is the stuff that's declassified. Imagine the stuff that they don't say publicly. Yes. Yeah. What they present is what they're allowed to present, and they have clearance to present. Um, because on some of these presentations, they've got all the emblems and symbols for the Air Force and DARPA and everything else. That means that they had the approval to put this information out by those agencies. Um, but it's, it's only what they're allowed to say. There's stuff that they're not saying. But if you can understand the technological technological language that they're using, you know what they're talking about. You can read can... between the lines. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. That is always the challenge. But we don't just have to read between the lines. We have God, and God tells us what they're going to do and what is going to happen, but he does so in language that comes from the first century AD or earlier. That's why it's important to read prophecy in light of modern technology and not in light of first century technology. God tells us the future story in a language that has to be translated into a modern context. We have to put the words of the past together with the concepts of the future, which is where Hope and Tavon help us out. Uh, the, the technology that runs on the terahertz band frequencies that we just showed you. So this is that technology, the Internet of Space Things, which is low Earth orbit satellites like Starlink, et cetera, discussed in the, two, uh, the 2023 UN briefing, the future of outer space governance that we just covered. Um, also, reconfigurable intelligent surfaces. Mm. We'll talk about that. Pervasive artificial intelligence, network automation, and all forms of terahertz communication for the Internet of Things. This is what runs on the 6G spectrum of the terahertz. That's the lower end. In the higher frequencies, or what they call 7G, the equipment that operates on these frequencies is quantum communication, quantum computers, which have been around since the 1990s, the Internet of Bio-Nano Things, which is injectables in the body, COVID-19 injections, the internet of nano things, technology like smart dust and the things they are spraying in the chemtrails. Right. So the part of this technology suite we're looking at today is controlled through the 6 and 7G system, which is not something most of us have heard about. The smart dust that rains down on us night and day are nanoscale devices that are distributed to their victims via air distribution and breathing. We no longer have to be injected to get this stuff inside our bodies, although there are components in the injectables that aid in the internal construction of the synthetic biodigital devices inside our bodies. Chemtrails are one such dispersal mechanism that spreads nanoscale machines far and wide, so we can't avoid absorbing them into our bodies. The government and its media allies have organized a disinformation campaign claiming that chemtrails are just vapor trails, but that's a story to just convince the gullible. True vapor trails do not behave like chemtrails, and vice versa, and there is ample evidence that the government has instituted a vast covert program of aerial spraying. But we'll skip over that today because we don't want to get too distracted from the main topic. We'll pick up this interview with a question from Maria. So, so am I right then to think that if, if the stuff that they're spraying in the trails and the smart dust operates on 7G and that hasn't officially been launched or has it, um, you know, that that's not in its full effect yet. We're yet to see the devastation of it. Yeah, they could definitely be waiting for a big moment, um, but it, it has been launched. It's been used. It's been no man's land. There's no regulations at all. So right. they have been using this covertly. The governments of the world and those that are 
that are working in these, these high technology institutions have been already developing things using these frequencies covertly without the public's knowledge and without any regulation for since yeah. when, 15, 20 years, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, the two researchers we're about to talk about, uh, uh, professors, uh, they have been working with the government for at least 15 years. Right. Uh, and they came out with this presentation in the past few months. Okay. Everything about 6G and 7G was covertly developed by the government and its paid research scientists at universities and corporations, plus DARPA, the Defense Advanced, Advanced Research Projects Agency. The DOD is heavily involved in developing this technology by funding grants and providing technical oversight of the product because, hey, it's a weapon system. Remember, the DOD is not interested in making our gaming experiences more enjoyable. They are interested in weapons that destroy or control, and that's just about it. And the weapons of choice are very, very small nanoscale devices. These devices collectively create the Internet of Things, which is a weapon system. It would help if we had some definitions to help us navigate these concepts. This is what the, the Internet of Nano Things and Bio Nano Things is. Okay, so we're, these, we're basically showing what was on the slide presentations. Uh, so the Internet of Nano Things is the interconnection of nanoscale devices with existing communication networks and ultimately the Internet. Example of these nanoscale devices are the smart dust, chemtrail components that blanket the air, uh, the land and our water supply, and nanotechnology based uh, based products like food, drugs, and cosmetics, um, some of which are approved by the FDA. Yes. And then we have the Internet of Bio Nano Things, used for health applications and injected into the body. It's synthetic biology and nanotechnology that allows the engineering of bio biological embedded computing devices. This network allows for sensing data in the human body and creating within the body and interface internet. And then you have the Internet of Space Things. Uh, taking the Internet of Things for networks on the ground and connecting the satellite-based data networks in space, taking that information and relaying it uh, up into space. All this wording, by the way, we took directly from the IEEE papers that were written by these two gentlemen, Achilles and Jornet, and these are their slides from their presentation. So this is their wording saying that, you know, it's embedded into your skin, computing devices, um, not ours. Do you still think the inoculations were all about protecting us from a mystery virus? That was just a carefully crafted cover story. A hoax, which it turns out was confirmed by none other than Dr. Alkildes himself. And he slipped up and he, he let the cat out of the bag in that presentation. And basically confirmation of uh, the patents that Karen Kingston has, has dug up. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we bring her work into this as well because it, it connects it all to, uh, to this technology. This is the actual audio from Dr. Achilles. Uh, bio nanoscale machines, but these are uh, uh, for the, you know, injecting into the body and uh, 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 always monitoring the health problems. And that is also really going really well, like with these COVID uh uh, vaccines, it going, it's going that direction. These mRNAs are nothing than small-scale, nanoscale machines, right? They are programmed and they're injected. Did you catch it? He said the COVID vaccines are nothing but small-scale machines that are programmed and injected. Did they tell you or your family member that you were going to be injected with small-scale machines when you went to get your inoculation? 
And what are they programming these machines to do? Are they instructing them to fight a virus that does not exist, since the so-called virus just seems to be another variety of the same toxic nanoscale machines? It should strain the boundaries of any sensible person's credibility to believe the cover story. It should, but it doesn't, because of Adolf Hitler, you know? The big lie. Let's hear one more clip from the Hope and Tavon interview and see what these nanomachines are designed to do with 5, 6, and 7G. Uh, Professor Achilles talks about uh, a way that the basically these small chips that may be inside your body, for example, are able to take signals from the outside and turn it into another kind of energy so that that signal goes across the surface of the chip uh, for communication. That's basically what we're looking at it's here. This is his invention, that this is the patent. This is where he actually goes into the story. How This is actually the technology patent where he tried to file years before. I believe that's the one, this is the one. Yes, the CIA blocked it. Where the CIA blocked it for, since 2010, he applied for it in 2010, and the CIA held it and would not issue the patent until 2017. Wow. Uh, so so th- these nanoscale devices have been in development for a very long time. They show that. And on the right, uh, you have uh, the separate uh, presentation uh, by his colleague uh, where he's talking about how you'd have the joint of nanobiocommunication and sensing where in this in this image, what you see here is the actual chip is inside the tissue of the wrist. Um, and then you wear this armband that would pick up the uh, like one form of frequency from this chip and relay it to a device, which would be the phone. And then from the phone, it would go into the cloud. Okay. Um, and again, it, it just deals with technology they call plasmonics. Um, that's the technology. Uh, the plasmonic nano biochip has been planted inside the body, underneath the, li- the tissue layers of skin. The chip is engineered to find specific biological markers in your blood so that you can beam uh, radar at the chip in order to read what's going on in the blood. And this is real time. And the data is about what's going on in your body and read from these chips, then transmitted to your phone or to the internet in a cloud-based database. So the nanobots are spyware for the body that double as surreptitious transmitters to the cloud. And the wristband thing is so unnecessary. Maybe it was needed in 2010, but it's not needed today. It makes a good visual, though, because people erroneously believe they can just take off their little wristband and stop the communications. But a wristband is not needed when the whole world is being filled with smart devices that have phased array antenna from the cell tower to your toaster oven. These are the words that they use to deceive the public. We're trying to like clear up mm-hmm. that confusion by telling you what they really mean. Okay, so we have the mRNA is software. So what mRNA really is, is a software program. The mRNA uh, are the instructions or computer codes that program the lipid nanoparticles. The mRNA injections do not contain a biological virus or portion of a biological virus. There's truly nothing about Pfizer's mRNA technology that meets the FDA's definition of a vaccine. And we have sequences are computer-generated programming. When Pfizer refers to mRNA, they're referring to the computer-generated genetic sequences that can be programmed, that can program a human cell to produce viruses, spike proteins, cancers, or nearly anything. Per Pfizer's FDA approval application, they used a computer-generated Wuhan code in the COVID vaccines. All sequences are ordered from a company called Sinobiological, which is headquartered in Beijing, China. 
and uh, cytobiological manufacturers and sells over 280 plus SARS-CoV-2 mRNA variants. So then we have spike proteins, our lipid nanoparticle technology bioweapons. What they call spike proteins are actually the result of lipid nanoparticle technology destroying your cells. When you take a magnetic hydrogel, you infect a biologic and you infect a biological cell. You can see that the cell is covered with all of these little spikes. This is what they're calling the spike protein. You're not infected with the virus. You're infected with a nanolipid particle technology that then reprograms that cell to give off these biosynthetic toxins in your body. I'm going to back up what you said here. When I interviewed Lisa McGee and Todd Callender, Lisa found through her research of all of these patents that um, and, and, and looking at what's in the injections that potentially in real time, any symptoms could be programmed into the body again that that term real time to the body could present with any symptoms so potentially you know what what people have theorized is the next pandemic won't be fake in the sense that you're going to see people potentially bleeding from the mouth nose you know hemorrhagic fever types it'll be something that actually scares people but it will actually be something that's being programmed at that time furthermore the possible theory now, according to Karen Kingston and Dr. Mahaitra, is that potentially even AI is going to be programming that. So it's no longer even, you know, evil humans at the helm. It's the evil mm-hmm. humans that created AI doing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah it would, uh, you'd imagine it'd have to be an automated system to deal with billions of people at the same time. No, there, there's, there's no army that would be able to monitor everyone 24-7 unless it's an automated AI, evil AI that's been developed over decades. And that's what you need the quantum computers for in order to process that level of data. Yeah. Yes. These machines are building structures inside our bodies that can communicate with AI and human beings, either of which can program the machines to direct our body's own cells to generate toxins that will make us sick or kill us in the most gruesome of ways. As you've all said, modern power is all about the data. Do you see how controlling the data will enable these psychopaths to control the world? This is a sophisticated, multi-component, multi-purpose bioweapon system that is being constructed in real time, right in front of our eyes and behind them too. So quantum dot technology is in the injections and this is what enables the higher frequency EMF communication from injected human bodies. This is where you get the Bluetooth and the quantum field frequencies is from the quantum dots. The patents describe that the hydrogel in the COVID injections is fused with quantum dot technology. A quantum dot is a semiconductor that creates an electromagnetic field and has electronic and optical properties. They are used in quantum computing for their quantum communication properties. Luciferase and quantum dots are basically the same thing. We wrote about quantum dot technology in our book, Forbidden Tech, back in 2017. And what are they looking at? So what you're looking at is uh, mice that were injected with quantum dots in the University of Toronto experiment. And uh, these, in this case, in this experiment, it's nano, nano gold particles um, that have been turned into quantum dots. And they injected the mice with it to see what happens to these gold particles. And what you find, what they found is that these particles migrate to key organs in the body. It turns out that not only is there a natural migration, but you can actually program these quantum dots to migrate to specific points in the body, similar to that presentation you mentioned earlier, uh, Maria, um, 
so basically uh, what you're looking at, these, these mice were subjected to, uh, you can't see them visibly, but if you put them under black light, you can actually see the glow from the quantum dots, which also raises the question or probably answers the question why people are seeing black lights installed in a lot of these cities. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I remember in the middle of that last presentation, my heart sunk because we realized they can actually program the quantum dot to go, for example, to the forehead or the hand. And we didn't know, you know, what was, was the, were the COVID injections, the test run, or was that it, you know, uh, you can't work mm. unless you get this. I mean, it was, it's, it's pretty darn close. Um, so, you know, again, if anyone has taken those injections that's watching and you haven't repented yet, please do so. Um, you know, it, it, maybe you were fooled once, but you can't allow yourself to be fooled again. And the, the, uh, the, uh, attacks are going to be coming thick and fast moving forward because they've just, for the most part, succeeded with the greatest experiment of all time. They did succeed, and success breeds arrogance and confidence, so we can expect even bolder transgressions in the near future. They are coming for you, they are coming for me, and they are coming for our children. They did not withhold this toxin from the children, but they pushed it on them with every intention of transhumanifying the little ones just like they do the adults. It doesn't matter if we lose a few of them in the process to them. It's better to get them early and often so they have precious little chance of escaping those who seek to transform their bodies. As astounding as all this is, it's not even everything important about the bioweapon, and it may not even be the main point of the inoculation. The main point is to facilitate the great deception that will be intimately associated with the Antichrist. How that happens and how it involves the inoculation will be covered in part three of this series next episode. For God said, the deception will be so convincing that it would fool even the elect if that were possible. The question is, why will it not be possible? If you found this podcast interesting, useful, or important, please recommend it to someone you know and punch that sign, symbol, or button to encourage others to listen. Underground Christian can be heard on several fine podcast platforms, including Podbean, Google, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, TuneIn, iHeart, Player FM, Listen Notes, Pandora, Samsung Podcasts, Podchaser, and UndergroundChristian.net. If you wish to contact me, please send an email to undergroundchristian at outlook.com. Lord God, I believe these are troubled times. Who would believe we would be alive in an age like this? Who even believes this report? But there are those who know what's going on, and they are a sizable minority of the population. Thank you for these wonderful people, many of whom are risking their reputations, fortunes, and lives to get this message out. It can be overwhelming for those of us down here on this little ball of dust, but you sit and laugh at the masters of the universe knowing how pitiful their attempts to destroy your creation really are, and that's a good thing for the rest of us to focus on. The return of Jesus is imminent. But until then, these demonically inspired tyrants are debasing, degrading, and destroying more bodies than we can count. Help us to resist them and oppose their evil attempts to transform our minds and bodies and everything else around us. Protect your people from these nanoscale demons and help us to resist their attempts to control our minds and manipulate our fellow men and women's bodies by helping us refuse to cooperate with their plans. It might cost us a lot, but keep in our forebrain the concept that we have much more to lose with them than without them, and much more to gain without them than with them. Primarily Jesus. And please, send him soon. 